I rode on the back of my dad's Harley Davidson Road King. That was my very first experience going on the back of a motorcycle. I just couldn't believe the feeling of being on a machine on two wheels that can lean and just the feeling of the freedom of like not having anything around you and the environment is just right there. The road is just right there. It's just so unique, so different than being inside of a car because you're just outside in the elements and everything is just much more visceral. Before any world-changing innovation, there was a moment, an event, a realization that sparked the idea. Before It Happened is a show about that idea. I'm Donna Laughlin, and each week I'll take you on a deep dive into a singular light bulb moment that inspired the visionaries to push forward and change our lives. On this podcast, you'll hear from innovators from an array of industries and philosophies who imagined and are still imagining the future. Grab your passport and let's go on a journey together. For 100 years, the motorcycle industry has been dominated by men. Bikes are designed by men, for men, with very little thought for how to market to women, who actually make up 20% of all riders. But now, thanks to new technology disrupting the space, coupled with increased ridership driven by the pandemic and rising fuel prices, our guest, Amber Spencer, thinks the time is ripe for change. Amber is Vice President of Worldwide Marketing at Damon Motorcycles, makers of the award-winning high-performance Hypersport electric motorcycle. What gives Amber the credentials to lead change in the industry? Well, just about everything. She's a lifelong motorhead, an amateur motorcycle racer, and a bodybuilder dedicated to maintaining peak physical and mental performance on the track and on the road. In our interview, we dive into the influence her parents had on her singular focus on riding and safety. And we find out how she and Damon Motorcycles are perfectly positioned to break the status quo. I grew up in the outskirts of Liverpool. I was very much into sort of fashion, sports. My dad was a big influence on me, so he was really into cars. So really liked motorsports. We watched Formula One, racing. My parents owned a transportation business like a, a big truck. So they call them Artics in the UK. I don't know what they call them over here, but you know, really big, big, big giant trucks. And you get to go in the cab and they're huge. And I often got to travel with my dad in the truck and kind of go all over Europe. I remember this one time, my dad put me on his lap and he let me drive it. So he had his foot on the pedals. Obviously, I would be able to reach them. But and it was just this tiny, I was probably about seven years old and I just remember holding this giant steering wheel and driving this huge truck around the there's like a big parking area and that one really stands out to me as being like a really exciting moment because you're just tiny and you're steering this huge huge truck (laughs) so that's definitely one of my fondest memories of of working in the the family business. So at a very early age you were in the transportation industry already, what kind of things were you delivering? 
They delivered parcels and pallets. So it's basically business to business transportation all over Europe. And they, so my dad was the managing director and my mom basically assisted in every aspect of the business. So they, as a partnership, ran the business. And then obviously being a business owner, sometimes things don't go to plan and drivers are sick or something happens. And then my dad would have to step in and go and do the actual trip himself. So that was definitely, you know, a big inspiration sort of growing up in the family business. And from a young age, they would give me jobs to do cleaning the office or filing, or I'd also go around and into the trucks in the inside. And I would do like an inspection, like as everything as it should be, check the tachograph. So Yeah, I started working from young and I really loved it. I really, I really enjoyed it. That's a great experience. So what came first with your father? You mentioned transportation, go-karts or motorcycles? (laughs) For my dad, he actually had a motorcycle when he was about 18. So motorcycles came first and then cars, car racing, go-karting. And then older years, he went back to motorcycling. And did you ride on the back of the motorcycle? I rode on the back of my dad's Harley Davidson Road King. That was my very first experience going on the back of a motorcycle. And I still remember that day like it is yesterday. I was about 21. I had a Harley Davidson jacket on and I actually wore a skull cap the first time I rode on the back of a motorcycle. I don't ride with skull caps anymore, but I did have a skull cap on and I remember how it felt when we went, we drove up the driveway and we drove around the corner. And I remember when we drove around the first corner, I just couldn't believe the feeling of being on a machine on two wheels that can lean. And just the feeling of the freedom of like not having anything around you and the environment is just right there. The road is just right there. And then you're on the back, so you're kind of holding on, which is like, I find that's a really nice experience. I like to ride my own motorcycles now, but in it, when on my first experience, you kind of with the safety of somebody you trust, it's just so unique, so different than being inside of a car because you're just outside in the elements and everything is just it feels closer, it feels more alive, you can hear things you don't normally hear. And the movement of the vehicle and the speed of it, everything is just much more visceral. And my mind was blown. Of course, I was nervous. I was scared as well. But yeah, I remember, I remember that first ride like it was yesterday. Yeah. And what did your mom have to say about this? She wasn't too happy. She was run over by a motorcycle when she was nine years old, and she's shown me the scars a few times. And so she wasn't too happy. She's a worrier, too, but she didn't have at that point too much to say since it was like my dad's bike, wasn't my bike. But when I came back, she's like, you're not getting one of those. (laughs) So that's what she had to say about that. So you're 21 and this moment happens. So do you continue to ride at that point or are you kart racing as well? So kart racing was a little earlier. I mean, I started, my dad got me in a kart when I was like as young as I could be, like five, five years old. And so started with that and he wanted me to be like professional driver but my mom put a bit of a stop to that but didn't stop us from going on vacations and going to the track like just for fun throughout my youth but I didn't actually get a motorcycle until I was 27. At that point you're probably pretty independent but how did you break the news to her so to speak? 
Yeah, I was living by myself at 27. Uh, she lived a bit of a distance away at the time. And I came to a point in my life where I'd been working really, really hard and not really spending a lot of time enjoying myself, so to speak, or doing kind of early 20s was just work, all work. And so at 27, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start doing some of the things that I've always wanted to do. And motorcycling was right there, right at the top of the list. And so just one day I was like, you know what, I'm just going to book my book my safety test. And it was kind of out of the blue. And I didn't know anybody that rode motorcycles, obviously, other than my dad. And so, yeah, booked my test, got my first motorcycle. And then, of course, I didn't ask permission from my mom. And so what happened was I started riding my motorcycle more and enjoying it a lot and spending a lot of time on my motorcycles. And so when I would speak to my mom and she'd be like, you know, hey, how is everything going? I'd be like, oh, great. But then I wouldn't have anything to tell her because I started hiding that I was going on these all these motorcycle rides. And that became really difficult because I really like sharing my experiences with my mom. We have a good relationship. And honestly, that got too much. So it was about a year after. Well, it was that. And also when she came to visit, I had to hide it, which I really hated doing. I was like, I have to find somewhere to hide the motorcycle when she comes over and and you couldn't certainly put it on social media. I actually did, but I made sure that I like didn't accept any friend requests from any of my mom's friends. <laughs> so, yeah, I did my best. And then, yeah, so eventually I, I, I had to break it to her. So I said, hey, mom, like, I think I went over, over to visit and I'm like, let's go for a walk. I have got, I've got something to tell you. And she was like, oh, my God, what have you got to tell me? And she, was, and she was so worried. And I was so worried, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. Like, what is she going to say? And she's like, oh, my God, like, are you pregnant? Like, what what has happened? What happened to you? And, and I was like, oh, mom, I, I, got, I bought a motorcycle. And she's like, is that it? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so that really surprised me. And it, at that point, I realized that she just cared more about me being happy. And the concern came from obviously the safety aspect, but she could see how happy it made me and how excited I was about it. And she was like, you know what, just like as long as you're happy, I'm happy for you. So then you left the UK for Canada. And was that following your parents and their business or what was the bridge to Canada? Yeah, the bridge to Canada was my parents. They retired. So when they sold their business, they retired to Canada. I spent a lot of my time actually before I moved to Canada in studying business, marketing, management. And then I was working in customer retail roles. So I had a lot of that customer service experience. When I first moved to Canada, I just continued in that direction for a year or two. And then I made a decision to move into marketing. So I started my marketing career in a marketing agency, doing social media and business analytics and things like that. And then I started getting into the startup world because the agency works with a lot of startups. And so I got introduced to a lot of young companies, young startup culture. So started going to a lot of startup events, entrepreneurship events, competitions, things where you create a business and then you get funded if they decide that your idea was the best. And then from there, I actually took a slight turn and started learning software development because I knew that if I understood the software and the product, I could do a better job of marketing. So that kind of led me into more of the tech sector, more of the software development side. And then just about the time that my career was kind of taking off a little bit, I started motorcycling. And when I was out on a motorcycle ride, I actually met Damon's CEO who had literally just started 
Damon. So that's how my career kind of took a shift from the marketing and tech side and then kind of started to combine that marketing and tech background with my motorcycling experience. And then Damon kind of just popped up and seemed to be the right direction at that point. So let's go to CES 2020. It was a milestone for the industry. And the Damon Hypersport was revealed. And I mean, it was a showstopper. Can you just take us back to 2020? Because what then happened became literally this rolling thunder around the world of enthusiasm and creating the fanboys and girls around the hypersport. And in 2023, we will see these bikes on the road. But just describe what that felt like to be, you were on the bike and you brought the house down. It was definitely one of the best memories I've had. So and very end of 2019, we were sort of prepping to go to CES. And we decided that we were going to launch our product to the world there. So we were unknown end of 2019. Nobody really knew who we were. We had barely done any marketing at all, only a little tiny bit. And so CES was like our launch platform for the Hypersport. So we did a collaboration with BlackBerry QNX and we had a hypersport in that booth. It was on a platform. It was a big group of people sort of collected all, all around our booth and we had live streaming and it, we just introduced the hypersport to the world. It was the smartest, safest, most high performance electric motorcycle that anybody had ever seen. And we demonstrated the shift and I was on top uh, on the bike sort of demonstrating the shift and showing how it worked and people just loved it. And it just went wild all over the internet. There were videos, there was media, there was social media, there was just a big explosion around the hypersport and what it was. And I think one of the biggest things about it is that it's solving for real needs. You know, it's not just a new shiny product that has better performance than before. It's actually, we're actually on a mission to make motorcycling and that form of transportation safer and a better experience. And it was something that people had never seen before. And it was an experience of this machine that you could see in real life, sort of the shift uh, adjusting and the co-pilot going through its sequence. And so it was it was definitely a big pivotal moment for the company. It was a huge jumping off point for our awareness in the world. What are your thoughts on sustainability and, and being part of the consciousness behind that as well, of not just the sport of motorcycling, but it's green? What are your thoughts to how motorcyclists individually can contribute to that with the hypersport? I think we've all seen the effects of global warming recently, and it's quite shocking. And so I think anything that we can do as a society to make choices that can contribute to a better future for not just ourselves, but for our kids and future generations, we got to do it now. We got to do it like yesterday. And so making a choice, you know, to go electric in your in your vehicle is one way of doing that. There's lots of other ways as well in the choices you make and the products that you consume. So I'm definitely on that bandwagon trying to reduce waste. And it, it really is just like about the future of our society. We've done so much damage in, in the past and now it's time that we can start cleaning that up. And with the Hypersport, it's, it's electric, but it's also, you know, high tech. You also get a mobile app. You also get the like incredible performance. You get 
co-pilot you get shifts so you're 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 not only making a good contribution to the planet but you're also kind of buying a product that's that's built for the future what are you as because you race just bringing the hypersport to market you're really passionately involved in the experience of what the hypersport is going to feel like so as a woman what is that experience that you described on a hypersport, the same way you describe your experience when you were on your first motorcycle ride with your father. How does that feel? I would say, well, very exhilarating. I mean, most motorcycles are, but it's very smooth. And it does have a noise too. I think that was one of the things that stood out to me when I was riding it. It was very, very exciting. And I expected it to be sort of silent and not be able to hear it. But I rode it on the racetrack and you could really give that thing full like good amount of throttle and it really spins up the position of the hypersport is similar to the sport bike so you don't feel like you're on a different machine that you've never felt before it feels very similar but you don't have the when you ride an engine there is a certain amount of interference you get that you don't notice until you ride an electric motorcycle and you it just makes you feel like you are more one with the machine without that interference of the engine which sounds like a weird thing to say but until you actually experience it and you'll be like oh I totally get that because there's less cognitive load there's there's less that you have to think about which really just gets you more into the zone and every, every whenever you're riding and especially at the track where you're like you're really focusing on like both getting faster you're focusing on your line you have so many things to focus on and just having a little less of that just really gets you more into the zone and it also feels more modern i would say i mean like with the modern sport sport bikes they're they have like pretty nice screens like like newer screens now and again a little bigger but also on the hypersport it, it has that that big six, six inch display so it just makes it feel more modern when you look down you just feel like you're riding like more of a futuristic machine and so it's just really very very exciting the other thing i would say that was very noticeable for me was co-pilot so Copilot is the safety system that you have on the motorcycles and it provides blind spot detection for collision warning and the rear view camera as well. And so when riding it on the street, I just found this so, so, so helpful for making me feel safer and like I just had more visual awareness around me because when you're on a motorcycle you do have limited vision to the to your sides because of the helmet and then the mirrors are also like fairly difficult if your arm's in the way or if there's vibration which there's still some on electric motorcycles so having that rear view camera for one provides like a lot a bigger view of what's behind you so you can actually see behind and beside which just made me feel a lot safer like not like the bike was making me safer, but like that I had the awareness to keep myself safe on the road. So you have no clutch, which is kind of cool, right? But you haven't lost the the power and the experience of the bike. And ultimately, Copilot is a little bit like a superhero power, right? Because now you have the situational awareness added ability that you wouldn't have otherwise. And so that shield is of not knowledge and information, but also that protection. I can't imagine your mother not loving that. Yeah, she's she's really proud that we're working on this. And I know that it's definitely a big selling point for most people buying the, the bike. And the people that have tested it, we have, have had a few riders 
test the co-pilot system, they were like, I don't want to ride a bike without this anymore. Cause it just, it makes so much sense. Like you said, it just, it just gives you that extra sense of being safer. And that is one of the biggest problems and the biggest barriers to people taking up motorcycling as a mode of transportation. Hey there, it's Donna. I want to invite you to go check out some of our past conversations with game changers and innovators who are shaping our future. Like Lisa Lindahl, who created what has become a $100 billion industry when she designed the world's first sports bra out of a jock strap back in the 1970s. When I was running, I would wear a bra that was maybe one size too small. The straps would stretch out and I was always pulling up my straps and I'd get chafing. And my sister called me and said that she had just started jogging. And what do you wear for a bra? Oh my gosh, it is so uncomfortable. Why isn't there a jock strap for women? And we both thought that was so funny. We laughed and laughed. But when I hung up the phone, I thought, why isn't there a bra that functions for just support for when I'm running? I learned something, actually a lot of somethings, every time I talk to a new guest. They're pioneers. They're thought leaders in their fields. They all have inspiring stories to tell. And I share them with you every week. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please hit subscribe and join me for more stories about the moments before it happened. What is your message to writers that haven't thought a 18-year-old college student, you know, a younger Amber, if you had access to a hypersport, do you think that you would have ridden sooner? I think I would have ridden sooner if my mom wasn't so concerned about the safety aspect. So I think having that extra safety aspect on the hypersport will definitely make motorcycling a little bit less intimidating for beginners, especially motorcycles like our motorcycles go up to 200 miles per hour, but not all of them do. And some of the smaller ones like the hypersport SE would really be perfect for a beginner because you also don't have to think about the clutch. And that's one thing that is a little difficult in the beginning to get used to. And as well, if you're a little on the shorter side and you can't quite, you know, flat foot on the ground, you don't have to think about the clutch on a hill um, so much either. And so it is a little easier to begin on those motorcycles. But if I was thinking back to age 18 or if I was to give advice to somebody who is thinking about it or been a little bit worried about the safety aspect, I would say one of the biggest things is doing a safety course. And maybe doing it more than once just to keep your skills top of the game because they will give you the survival awareness that you need to stay safe on the road. There's certain things that you need to do and certain positions you need to be in and places you need to be looking in at certain times to keep yourself safe, especially on a motorcycle because people don't necessarily see motorcyclists. So you have to be the one who is like, okay, I'm going to assume that everybody can't see me and position myself on the road where I'm going to have the most space and the most time to react if something happens that is unexpected. So that would be the biggest thing. And then the next thing is obviously choosing a bike that you feel comfortable on and that you're going to be is going to be less intimidating for you because it's already intimidating when you first start riding a motorcycle. So you want to be on something that you're comfortable on and so that you can focus on your skills and really getting those up to speed in the beginning. Yeah. 
putting that extra safety layer in, I think is so important. But there's another component that I think is important is not just the mental awareness, but the physical uh, component, because it can be very demanding physically on a motorcycle, right? And you are a competitive bodybuilder. And how does that factor into the performance of your riding and kind of the yin and the yang of how those two come together? I've learned a lot from doing competitive bodybuilding. And I think anybody that does anything competitively will have a similar understanding of really what it takes to try and win in in your sport. So I think one of the biggest things I learned from that was the focus, like having a goal and then really putting your focus into that. And by focus, I mean, you have to make sacrifices in some areas, right? If you're doing a bodybuilding competition, you have to eat a certain way. You have to cut some certain foods out. You have to make sure you get to the gym X number of times a week. And it's the same for any any competition or any big goal that you want to achieve. So when you're on the racetrack, how fast do you go? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like looking to push my fastest miles per hour, but I am looking at my lap times to see how I'm improving. So usually my approach is to focus on one thing at a time when I'm riding. So maybe that's my body position, or maybe it's like maybe breaking a little later and turning in like at a different point. And so really focusing on my skills. I do a lot of that during training and during track days. And then I look at my lap times. But in terms of the fastest I've been on a racetrack, I would I don't know the exact number, but I would say down the straight is where you're going to get the fastest. And there's a particular track that I really enjoy called Area 27. It's in the Okanagan up here in Canada. And the first corner after that straight is quite a fast corner. So you can really scare yourself because you'll go down that straight and you'll be just hammering the throttle and then the numbers are going up. And, it, you know, I would say it, it'd be in kilometers. So about 180 kilometers down that straight before I start getting a little bit freaked out and like, you know, drop the throttle and pull the brake and and, and then drop into, into the corner. A lot of people go off the edge of the track there because they get too excited and then they, you know, they can't make the corner and then you go straight, you straight off. So you definitely got to be careful when you try to push your, <laughs> push your speed because you don't want to go off the track. So this is just something I dug up and I just thought it was kind of cool. Your name, Amber, is a stone, a beautiful stone, but it actually symbolizes confidence and safety and safety and a journey. And I thought, wow, it's almost like your mother predicted your future, even though it wasn't all mapped out. And I don't know if your mother even knew, but I just looked at the threads of from your early days of you the thrill of being in the trucking, your family trucking business, and then your go-karting, and then motorcycling, and now with, with Damon and what you're doing, and it is about confidence and safety and being able to thrive when you're riding a motorcycle. And I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's a really interesting tie-in. It was almost like it meant to be. And you don't know where you're going until you you kind of get there and you can tie all of the pieces together in your past. You know, it's like, how, you know, how would working in a transportation company help me in my tech career? I didn't know. They, those two things didn't seem like they were related, you know, at the, on, on, until today. I would say that, the, well, this is definitely the best job I've ever had. I mean, I don't even like calling it a job because, you know, I feel like job has negative connotations, <laughs> but it's it's the best work I've ever done. It's really 
it really feels like I'm in the right place and that me being here and I, I can really make a difference along with all of the the other great people that I work with at Damon, I, I honestly just feel so blessed, like not only to be part of this mission, but also to be working alongside all of the great people that I work alongside as well. 2023 is going to be a huge year for the company. What are you most excited about? I'm most excited about getting our bikes out to our customers. <laughs> I I just can't wait for that. We have such a fantastic community and I love that in my role I get to interact with with our community and with our customers and with our fans so getting to you know hand over those first motorcycles next year is gonna be like just one of the best moments I can possibly think of I just can't wait Here at Before It Happened, we love to feature changemakers and fire starters. And Amber fits the mold. She's an inspiration to a new generation of women like herself. Women are motorcycling's fastest growing segment, with 26% of millennial riders being female. Despite this growth, the industry has remained heavily geared towards men. But Amber is changing that mindset. The culture at Damon Motorcycles also leads by example, as the company continues to hire top women talent in key roles of design, engineering, and marketing. Want to see Amber in action? Be sure to check out the show notes for photos, videos, and more. Thank you for listening. Follow Before It Happened on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before It Happened is produced by me, Donna Laughlin, along with Studio Pod Media. The executive producer is Katie Sunku Wood. And all episodes are written and developed by Susanna Camp with additional editing and music provided by Noda Lab. <laughs>